Thank you for that. Very warm welcome. It's most appreciated. A warm welcome to you too. It's great to see you. Uh, warm welcome to those of you watching in Cafe Church or in the Leicester Centre or joining us online. It's great to have you with us as we come to part three in our series, God's Plan for Your Well-Being. It may come as a surprise to you to know that God has a plan for your well-being. That's what we're exploring in this season. I want to say a particular welcome to you. If you're here for the very first time at Kingsgate in any of our locations, uh, you heard about this theme and you thought, I just need to get along because my physical well-being is important and some changes have to happen there. Well, it's great to have you with us and I pray, we've been praying in advance that today would be a really helpful time for you and that you would both enjoy being here and you receive something that will be of help to you. Now, for the benefit of those who are joining us for the first time, we introduced this uh, series by looking at a set of dials, which each of which represents, if you like, a tank that we have in our life. And then on the dials, you can see on the screen here, we were trying to make an assessment for ourselves. You know, we're only, it's just between us and our Father God. Uh, where we are on these particular dials is physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, vocational, and financial well-being. And the wholeness of our well-being message is around all of those. Now today, we are going to come and look at this uh, theme of physical well-being. And each week in the series, we have been looking and will be looking at the, the themes through the lens of a particular person. That's a person called Elijah. He's a character in the Old Testament of the Christian Bible. And um, with, during the week this week in life groups and in the kind of devotional book that we are sharing through together, we'll explore quite a lot about Elijah. But suffice it to say, for the moment, Elijah was a man who tried to, to go after the things of God. He was trying with all his might to serve God and to do the right thing. And uh, he experienced, let's say, the ups and downs of life. And I don't know about you, but I can identify with that. Sometimes life seems to be going so well. At other times, it seems uh, is a bit of a struggle. And whether or not your life right now is going really well, or it's a bit of a struggle, or anywhere in between, the great news is that God has a plan for your well-being that might actually surprise you. Because you'd think that God, interested in Elijah's well-being, uh, when he sees Elijah uh, depressed and burned out, uh, he was you know, basically full of self-pity and all sorts of things going on in his life, God sends an angel to help him. And you'd have thought that angel would come and do, I don't know what you'd expect, but what happens is that the angel's first attention is to his food, prepares him a meal, and his sleep which actually says to me that God is A, he's interested in all those kind of areas of our life, and secondly, they may be more important in our overall well-being than we think. So we might think there's things going on in our life and we can't quite cope with them. Maybe, just maybe, we actually have to roll back a little bit and think about our physical well-being as a first priority, and then those other things will fall into place. Now, before I introduce uh, my panel that you can see behind me here, a panel of experts in this field, um, they're, they're going to be incredibly helpful to you, I know that already. Um, let me just uh, bring to you a couple of uh, verses from the Bible, firstly, which assure us of God's care for us, that's the canopy under which we are thinking about this theme, and secondly, that for those of us who are Christians, there is a stewardship issue. 
over our physical well-being that we can't ignore unless we want to ignore what it says in the Bible. So first, to all of us, here is an encouragement. It's from Psalm 139. I'm reading from the message paraphrase. And it's uh, God, uh, you know, the, the, the psalmist is celebrating all that God has done. And he says this, God, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, you are breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. Okay, now before I go on, just turn to the person next to you and just tell them they are marvelously made in the eyes of God. Yeah, some of you are not doing this, okay? Uh, they're marvelously made. Now turn back to that person and say, thank you very much, I'll receive that compliment. Okay. That's the foundation on which we're going into this, that God is interested in you. That's amazing. For those of you who have never thought about God before, that might come as a bit of a surprise. For those of us who've been Christians for many months or years or even decades, it's a helpful reminder that we're not in total charge of our own lives, but that God actually loves us. I worship in adoration, says the psalmist. What a creation I am. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Wow. So God knows how you were made. How, what better an advisor to our physical well-being. And as I said, those of us who are Christians, there's a, there's a kind of second layer of responsibility that we have to think about. And it's uh, reflected in the words of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses nine through, uh, 19 rather, through 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, and here's a challenge, honor God with your bodies. That's a great place to start today, isn't it? To be thinking that God loves us and that we want to respond to that by being good stewards of everything that he's put around us. So let me, uh, without further ado, uh, turn to my panel. Would you put your hands together and welcome my panel who are going to introduce themselves? <clears throat> Thank you. You already have quite a fan club, as you can see, and that's before we get started. So by way of introduction, I'm going to ask each of the panel just to tell us who they are and what they do. So, uh, Alan. I'm Alan, and uh, I was previously a fitness instructor and personal trainer, and I now work for the police. Hi, I'm Alison, and um, I'm a nurse. I've been nursing for 32 years in a variety of different specialties, and currently I work in the community um, as a clinical manager for a team of staff looking after patients with neurological conditions. Hi, I'm Inkiru Oluotwasin. I'm a medical doctor. I've been one for the past 10 years. Um, I currently work in a GP practice. I see all patients across all illness, um, across all ages, um, genders, and all sorts of illnesses, and I'm glad to be here. Brilliant. Thank you. Let's just welcome again, would you please? Thank you. <laughs> And I should add that they're all Kingsgate people, Kingsgate members, and so you, you love this church and you love people, which is uh, great. Uh, over the past couple of months, we've had opportunity to meet, uh, to chat, and talk about some of the themes that we're going to explore right here. But what I thought would be helpful, and um, we'll kick us off, and I'm going to ask Alison to start with this in a second or two, is uh, let's start by painting a picture of what a physically well person looks like. So, Alison. I would say that the media portrays um, a picture of, of what we should think a physically well person looks like, but that 
can be quite superficial. So um, I think it needs to be a much more um, well-balanced approach, thinking about the different areas and having a well-balanced approach into all the areas to make sure that, that that's working um, for us. But I think it's also important to remember that lots of people who look physically well may not be feeling physically well and they may have hidden conditions and hidden symptoms and, and issues with their health that we can't see and it's really it's good to be mindful of that I think. Yeah thank you. Uh, Dr Nakira what be some of the benchmarks of someone being well? Um, well with no pressures for perfection because it's more of a journey all the way we would normally say that you would be feeling well in yourself mm -hmm. and when we looked at you you would be looking well if we also did some tests or investigations you check check off as normal on, on every relevant parameter and finally you would also be psychosocially stable because mm -hmm. of the large influence that has on your physical well-being that's right thank you uh, Alan you, anything you want to add to this yeah I just say that's uh, being realistic um, with where you're at um, Dave mentioned last week in his preach about and all the dials and you know, taking a stock check of where you're at. Um, if you know that there's an area of your life that's out of sync, um, you need to uh, be realistic and honest with yourself about the, the steps that you need to take and the direction you need to go in. Yeah. Okay, that's very helpful, thank you. So we're not trying to paint uh, a picture of perfection, but we're trying to paint a picture of starting where we are and, and growing from there. And so that's our objective and what we want to share uh, here together. Now, uh, Dr. Nakuru was quite candid when I chatted with her a few weeks ago about one of the things that drives GPs insane, uh, and uh, I mean, she's smiling now, but uh, is, is that when we turn up at the GPs and we, we start our little uh, meeting with the words, Doctor, I've Googled this thing that I've got. <laughs> and I think I've got this, or I think I've got that, and all the rest of it, and then um, the, the GP has to kind of figure out what, what's kind of going on. So I know how much I annoyed um, Nikiru. So in preparation, um, I Googled some things, okay? So, which I thought might be helpful, so I hope that's okay. Um, actually, I Googled physical health, and what I found was that there's actually millions of references you couldn't possibly read them all, and actually even a quick scan read of it all is there's so much kind of contradictory evidence um, of what, where to actually start about well-being. So Alan, with your background as a physical trainer, if you were advising people of kind of like one place to start on the journey to better physical health, what would it be? Um, I'd say it's pick one thing that you know, again, with those six dials, one area that you know that you're really struggling in. Um, whether it's uh, diet, fitness, um, whatever it is, is uh, pick that. Um, don't pick too many. So just one would be great to start with. Um, get some good accountability around you, uh, some people that are going to encourage you. That's why we're going through this 50-day series, um, so that we can work at it together in these life groups, in the special groups that we've got going. Um, those people are there to help you, support you, encourage you, and inspire you. Um, and just take those small steps. Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. Alison, you going to want to add to that? Uh, I would echo um, everything that Alan mm. said, and I would, I would just add as well something that Dave Smith mentioned in his message last week, and that's about not comparing ourselves with each mm. other, yeah. um, because it's really important to, to realise yeah. that we're all on completely different journeys, and, and everyone's journey is valid, and a, a goal that you might mm. set for some, for some people might be to get up in the morning and have a shower and get to work, and that might be an amazing achievement for that person, and Somebody else's goal might be to run a marathon, and obviously, you know, that's, that's equally valid for them. So it's about not, not comparing each other. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Nikita, yeah, thank you. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think your journey of physical well-being is unique to you. Um, you should ask yourself questions like, why am I not feeling well? Am I lacking in anything? And when you identify where you're at, then that would be a guide as to what steps to take going mm. forward. And if you needed help to get sort of more you tailored advice for yourself, you could actually speak with your doctor and you know, they, they could look over your, you know, your parameters, your assessments over the last couple of years, see where you might be needing some more help mm. and then you can work in that sense. Yeah, that's very helpful, thank you. Uh, and obviously you could hear it resonates with people as we as were saying that. Now when I was reading up on uh, this subject about physical well-being, I was quite struck by on the NHS website, it said that something like 75% of people um, are either overweight or obese and their BMI number and, and so on is not you know, an, in a healthy place. Uh, but equally, when you then start searching for like weight loss and diets and uh, different ways to eat and so on, the, the messages there are very confusing. Now, I know that Nakira is a GP, you get people coming and asking about these things uh, quite a lot. So what would your advice be about um, diet and eating and so on? Um, well, when it comes to diets, um, there are a number of diets out there, and for some people in my work, so for some other people probably wouldn't work, some people might find that they need to do a lot more in that sense because they've got, they're struggling with their weight and mm. all that, but the general advice for the general public in terms of everyday life would be to eat a balanced diet, mm. okay, in the right proportions. Mm. So you need to just be getting in a wide variety of the classes of food that, you know, we're accustomed to. Mm. Like, if you, and then if you're thinking proportions, if you imagine the plate. Yeah, we have, we and, have an image that we yeah, can show here of a yeah. kind of proportionate so you, plate. Yeah. So if you look at that plate, you can see that there are portions. If you, if you made it easy and divide it into three parts, you can see your fruits and vegetables in one section, and then your high-fiber statue meals in the other section, and then everything else, like your proteins and your dairy for calcium, your unsaturated oils, like your olive oil and your water, would fall into the third bit. So if you kind of think, well, not all your meals have to be that way, because that would be a lot of pressure. You know, you can think about uh, trying to achieve that sense of proportion over the week or, you know, over a day, and just sort of have that sense of balance to your, your eating. Oh, that's very yeah. helpful, thank you. So, I mean, when we were chatting, Alan, uh, you were telling us like, basically your own testimony, your story about, um, you know, like a weight loss issue you had and a particular app that you found helpful. Would you like to just tell us about that? Yeah, there was a period um, several years ago um, where I was um, overweight. I wasn't particularly looking after myself um, as I should have been. Um, so a lot of my dials were completely out um, and in the red. Um, and it was one of my friends who was a PT at the time that suggested this, fit, uh, this uh, app called My Fitness Pal. Um, there's a lot of people in gyms use it and in the uh, uh, health industry um, and through that um, just checking all the foods every single thing I was eating um, I managed to lose three stone um, over a period of a few months and uh, it, when you start checking the foods that you're eating it's amazing just how many calories are in some foods and mm. if you take your average um, calorie for a, a male for instance is like mm. up to 2,000 calories on average a day you know you could be eating one biscuit that might have three or four hundred calories in it well that's a quarter of your yeah. daily allowance gone so yeah. that was how I managed to lose all that weight. Yeah, well done. So we're hearing two kind of things there, aren't we, then? Which is, one is what you eat, and then, uh, then I guess that's the amount that you eat if you're counting the calories uh, and keeping them within uh, reasonable um, margins and yeah. so on. But Alison, one of the things that you were talking about and you'd seen in practice was the, the way in which uh, portion sizes have got, like, gone berserk over the years. So, 
Yeah, I was, I was just thinking about this and, and realised that I bought some plates from John Lewis not so long ago and they don't actually fit in my cupboard. And I don't know whether any of you have noticed, but plate mm. sizes have got bigger over the last mm. sort of 30 or 40 years and, and that's not helpful. So certainly from, from my point of view, I think there's a lot of us out there who um, might be quite good at eating healthy mm. food but still eating too much of it and mm. our portion sizes are, are sometimes getting mm. bigger and bigger and, and we just need to cut back and, and make them smaller. <laughs> yeah, rein it in a bit, as it were. Yeah, I mean, I did read on the NHS uh, advice web, website that uh, if you wanted to try and can contain your calories, is actually don't eat on a dinner plate, but actually use a side plate for your, like, to put your dinner on, as it were, because that gives a sense of proportion of the amount of food that you're eating. So th those are all kind of helpful things. Just to say as an aside that we have put together uh, some links to resources, uh, kingsgate.church. Um, backslash uh, physical well-being, just one word, and you'll find links through to the NHS website and so on there. You can find out uh, other information there. So I want to turn now to the subject of sleep. Uh, I was recently watched a TED talk by a guy called Matt Walker uh, and then started reading his book about sleep, uh, which was I found really helpful. And he described sleep uh, in these terms. He said that sleep is a human superpower. And it goes on to say that great things happen to our brain and our body when we get the right sleep. And Pastor Dave, in a devotional book this week, quotes from the Mental Health Foundation saying this, sleep is as important to our health as eating, drinking, and breathing. It allows our bodies to repair themselves and our brains to consolidate our memories and process information. Now, I'll come to you in a second, Alison, but it seems to me that when we think about physical well-being, sleep is probably one of the last things we think about, but it, is, it's, it has a big effect, doesn't it, Alison? You've had experience of this. Yeah, it does, yeah. certainly. Um, I think people with sleep problems, it is a very, very common thing that we see uh, regularly, and they say about a third of people might have sleep problems at any, any one time, ranging from insomnia to hypersomnia. Um, and, and you're quite right, there's some very complex physiological processes that are going on while we go through the sleep cycle and through the stages of, of sleep mm. um, for repairing. So it's, it's really important. Mm. Um, if you're struggling with this area, then there are things that, that you can do and there are measures that we can all take um, to, to change our routines and our habits around this, this mm. problem of, of sleep, and that's called sleep hygiene. Um, that's what we call these, these measures. So there are all sorts of things that, that you can do um, mm. to, to change these yeah, yeah. Uh, the, so the bad patterns. Through, yeah, talk us through a couple of those, just okay, in case so there's somebody here who has this challenge. So, yeah. for example, um, there's a lot about screen time that we use um, in the bedroom, people watching TV and using their screens a lot in the bedroom, and, and that's supposed to be uh, quite disruptive to our mm. sleep pattern. There's a lot of evidence about the amount of time we spend in bed, actually, and sometimes people with insomnia will spend too long in bed and having daytime naps mm. as well, which is not helpful. Mm. Um, but I should say at this point that for those of you with young children, um, you have our sympathy because uh, we know that mm. many of you will be sleep deprived and you've got to hang in there. But the the advice about naps doesn't apply to you because when you've got young children, you need to be mm. catching um, sleep and naps whenever you can at mm. any time of the day or night. Mm. Um, some people have caffeine is an issue for some mm. people. Uh, the, the advice is to not to drink caffeine after uh, five o'clock in the afternoon. Or for some people, it's much earlier than that. Mm. Um, cut down on alcohol. Uh, there are lots. Of, there are so many mm. other 
yeah, advice is out there that yeah, you can yeah. I think caffeine find. seems to be quite a big one because I was reading about that like the the impact of caffeine is like eight hours it lasts for eight hours you know so if you stop drinking it 12 noon caffeine, then you're just about getting ready for bed, like eight-ish. So obviously as a GP, you got a lot of people with sleep challenges. So would you like to add to any of that advice? Um, yeah, I've, everything Alison has said is perfect. Um, in addition to that, I'll just say that if you're struggling with sleep, try not to worry about the fact that you're not able to sleep, because that just puts things even further out of balance. Um, and, you know, one of the things I, I find helpful is that when I think about the fact that God says he doesn't sleep and he doesn't slumber, then he might as well do the night shift and I'll go to bed. Yeah. So that's really helpful, you know. So worrying doesn't help. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, that's a great piece of advice. Um, uh, when Nikita told me that a few weeks ago, I immediately actually picked that up for myself and thinking, yeah, there's eight hours when God can work on my problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so did the idea of just, uh, so I, I practically speaking, try to write down things that are on my mind just before I go to bed. Or if I wake up in the night, I've got a pad by the side of the bed, you know, uh, not Evernote or whatever, but scribbles, uh, write something down and, and deliberately think, you know, Father God, you just take this, I'll see you in a few hours and we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll see how, how that goes. Um, but it, it, it's, it was interesting when we were chatting about this how actually stress that comes into people's life and you just alluded to that a second or two ago so I just pick up this area of stress that we can have um, stress things going on in our life which absolutely affect our um, physical well-being I mean Alan have you got any kind of experience of that or advice for people? Um, yes, there's various periods in my uh, policing career where obviously we're seeing a lot of uh, distressing things as police officers, and uh, you know we really, you know, we're told you know that mental health in the police has you know certainly taken a better turn um, and more support for us um, in the emergency services. But um, it's there's periods where you know you are going through a stressful time, mm-hmm. and it's about having those people around you and spotting the signs yourself if you're. Um, starting to get stressed or you're starting to become anxious or depressed yeah. is getting that help at the right time, yeah. um, getting the right people around you um, yeah. and taking the advice that um, these two have been saying as well. Yeah. That's helpful. I mean, Alison, you, when we were talking about this, you, you were talking about actually many people that come to you as a clinician are unaware of the fact that um, there's a physical thing that kicks off with stress. Explain that a little for us. I think people are generally quite aware of the emotional effects of stress, but perhaps not quite so aware of the the physical effects as well. So um, I think stress has got a lot to answer for. Um, It can trigger and exacerbate a lot of physical issues. Um, But you only need to think about what happens to our body when we're stressed to to see how this works. So when we're stressed, our body produces um, excessive amounts of adrenaline and cortisol, uh, which put us into a high alert state. So our blood pressure goes up, our pulse starts racing, our our breathing increases and our sweat glands and our gastrointestinal uh, systems will will just, um, you know, run away with us. So it becomes a very physical, there are very physical processes that are going on. We call this the fight or flight um, mode that our our body moves into. And that's to allow us to get through the stressful period or whatever's going on and it's also or may allow us to to have the energy to fly away from it Mm. Um, but when we're healthy that needs to switch off so Mm. that fight or flight mode needs to switch off and it becomes then what we call recovery rest and recovery Mm. 
But when we're dealing with chronic periods of stress and prolonged periods of stress, it's very difficult for the body to switch off the, the very physical um, demands from the stress. And so um, it's inevitable that then eventually we would start to see physical signs like headaches and aches and pains and it, you know, infections as well, recurrent infections and all sorts of things that we then start to see um, as a result of that. Nikita, you're obviously uh, connecting with that. Is, is that what you're experiencing yes. as a GP? Or? Yes, it is my experience. Uh, and this is why in the um, primary care practice, um, we are very, very, um, it's ingrained in our practice to ensure that when we're seeing patients, we're also exploring their psychosocial um, wellness because we know that that link is so vital in identifying what the cause of their problems might be. Well, that's great. So that might be something worth thinking about as we're going into our life groups in this week is when we're talking about our physical well-being, uh, you know, if we're with people that we trust and can have a conversation just to try and explore what might be going on in the background that is stressing us. Maybe we're not even aware of it, but as we are being stressed and it's kicked off this physical response, that might be what's making us eat too much or too little or not sleep well or, or, um, or have other effects. So it's worth just getting behind the scenes, isn't it, and seeing that. Now, I want to cut now to uh, what everybody's been waiting for, which is advice on exercise. I'm sure that's uh, high in everybody's uh, focus. No. The room's gone awful quiet in here. Okay, so um, Alan here, you were a fitness and health instructor before joining the police. So I'm going to just pre present to Alan a kind of like hypothetical situation and just see what advice you would give. And so it's like free advice from a fitness instructor. How good, how, that's good, isn't it? So imagine for a minute or two a 57-year-old man who's quite, you know, quite healthy, not too overweight, could lose a few pounds of that, and does do some exercise, got a busy work life and busy family and so, if you can imagine such a person as that. Um, hey, hey, steady. Um, <laughs> what fitness advice would you give to such an imaginary person as that? <laughs> I wonder who that could be. Um, <laughs> I would say, again, just pick one of those um, areas in the dial that you know that you're struggling with. Um, so if it is exercise, for instance, um, and you're not someone that you know, goes into a gym, um, again, you know, I've lived my life in a gym since I was 18 um, and worked in it for quite a period of time. Um, and I know that for some people, the mere mention of a gym can you know, instill fear. Um, they are intimidating places, and so it's not for everyone. So if you're not a gym person, it's not about, right, get straight down the gym. Um, there's loads of other things you can do. You can exercise at home. You can go for long walks, um, mountain climbing, whatever you want to do, walk the dog. Um, you know, you don't have to go to a gym. So it's pick that one thing, um, get some, you know, take some small steps, um, and keep it simple, keep it practical, and keep it fun. Because if you enjoy what you're doing in that exercise, then you're more likely to continue to do it. Whereas if it's a chore, then you're never going to enjoy it. I get that. That's, that's really helpful. So, Nikiru, does the NHS give kind of any kind of guidelines on how much exercise would be like a reasonable... And I know we have to start small and kind of build up, but what would be a kind of reasonable, healthy guideline for us? Okay, so the, the guidelines are, number one, be physically active every day. Um, and then secondly, we advise that we engage in moderate um, physical activity up to 30 minutes for five times in a week, 
when I say moderate activity, we're talking like brisk walking or cycling, um, and also to engage in um, st muscle strengthening exercises on two days in a week or more, like push-ups or sit-ups, or even heavy gardening with digging and shoveling. So that's really the advice, yeah. yeah. So, but I think it's key to say, let's start somewhere, isn't yeah, it? Because uh, yeah. uh, one of the challenges with this kind of advice is that uh, we can think, well, I'm not doing many exercise, so I'm now going to go and dig my garden, run a marathon, <laughs> and do a triathlon tomorrow morning. And then, <laughs> as I usually do on a Sunday afternoon, but, um, and, not, and, and then be exhausted and worn out and it doesn't work, as opposed to, it seems that victory belongs to those who make small steps, don't they, over a longer period of time. So I thought all of us, I mean, if the only thing that came out of this uh, time together today was that all of us are making one kind of movement step, then that would, be, that would be really good. But before we move on from the exercise thing, I mean, I just wanted to, I mean, I did a lot of research on the internet, uh, you know, in preparation for these questions and so on. And uh, there was one startling statistic that I wanted to bring to your attention and get some feedback on as a panel of experts, is that apparently last year in the UK, more than 100 people were injured in gym accidents, whilst in the same period, unbelievably, only one person got injured by a donut. <laughs> so, from what I can understand, it's 100 times more dangerous to eat, you know, be healthy than it is to, to eat donuts. Put that aside. That's just an illustration of the fact that not everything you read on the internet is helpful. <laughs> it may be true, but it's not necessarily helpful. It's also worth saying that everything you read on social media, however good it is and however popular it is, popularity doesn't make it helpful. Mm. So just be really clear about the inputs that you're allowing into the decision-making processes that you have in there. I'm not going to ask you to comment on the donut thing. Um, <laughs> We'll get the donut manufacturers here next week to, <laughs> to, to, to speak through some stuff. Now, we did cover, uh, we, did, we talked a little bit about stress. It's probably just worth me saying that next Sunday we have Dr. Roger Bretherton uh, with us. He's a clinical psychologist and he's going to talk about emotional well being um, particularly, so we'll, we'll look forward to that. But finally, for our time together, which is sadly is running out, uh, some people might be thinking, uh, what's this all to do with Christianity? Actually, this talk could be recorded and we could have put it on an NHS website up to this point. You know, it's not really any different. So, I mean, Dr. Nakira, I know that you have Christians who come to you and have those kind of questions. So what's your response to this idea of well-being and its relationship to Christian faith? Uh, I, I believe that our Christian faith, uh, our faith in God has everything to do with our physical well-being. And I believe that that link is the peace of God. Because, you know, if, you're not, if, you're, if there isn't any peace, you're not even going to want to eat. You'd have no appetite. Even if you did eat, like Alison described, you might have an alteration in the digestion of the food or the absorption. And if there was no peace, you, you wouldn't even have the motivation to exercise. Mm. And, and sometimes you might want to, but you might not have the strength because on the bedrock of peace is joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. And laughter is good medicine. And, and you know, <laughs> without peace, you're, you're not going to be able to sleep. And I see that a lot in my practice. And some people are telling me they're sleeping, but they're so worried and anxious mm. that they're not getting refreshing sleep. Mm. So you can see that, you know, 
praise God, we have the peace of God. Yeah. And so we can keep our, ourselves, you know, increasing in our physical well-being. And I say this from my own personal experience, that if we keep our minds, you know, mentally, if we're mentally aware and mentally conscious and mindful, which is what we call it these days, uh, uh, of God's love for yeah. us and his presence with us, and if we are meditating continuously on his perspective, we will be peaceful mm -hmm. and we will increase in physical yeah. well-being. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, it's, I, the, a scripture that always keeps me going is that he says in Isaiah 26, 3, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you so much. So in a moment or two, I'm going to pray for us as a congregation, but I just thought, it would, if, if I may, I just want to pray and ask you to join me, with me in all of our locations here to pray for those who are in these professions, people who day in and day out in the clinical uh, arena are helping people. We just want to pray grace and strength on, on you guys. So let, let's just pray together. Father God, I just thank you for this time that we've had together today. Thank you for this great advice. Thank you for the prompts that it is and the challenge too. Uh, and I pray that it will land for us in a way that really helps us. I want to pray for my friends here in the panel, but also those that they represent, health professionals and fitness uh, instructors and so on, across the whole of our community. I just pray that you will give them great strength and courage and wisdom in helping people in, in some very difficult circumstances turn their life around and find a place of well-being. I pray that you will keep them well and that they'll be strong in their life in you. In your precious name I ask this. Amen. 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 Again, let's just show our appreciation to each other from our friends. <laughs>